Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Uh, I chose to be baptized. Just I've always been kind of a, a kind of a believer in Christ. Um, but I decided I wanted to jump in head first, and um, I believe that Jesus came and died for our sins, and, you know, I wanted the world to know, and I wanted my kids to know. discussion this month about the foundations of worship and of the church, which were poured not by government, not by man, but this was a divine design. God designed our worship to Him, that you are an instrument of worship. And there's been a lot of questions as to what 
truly should the, wor- should the church do in terms of worship for safety purposes. But it really begs the question, what is truly fundamental and what is truly foundational to the church? And so we've been trying to answer that question, to step into that discussion and have that discussion because that discussion has, not everybody's been in agreement even in the church. And so this morning we're going to dive right into two of the fundamental foundational aspects of the church. You hear it immediately before the scripture that uh, Shelby read to us. And 3,000 were added to their number and were baptized on that day of Pentecost. And through the entire text of the book of Acts, we find that baptism is very pivotal and central to the church. And so, this morning, I'd ask that you step into it with me through the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 1. And we're going to read about John the Baptist himself and Jesus' baptism. You can open up your Bibles or you can pull out your phone or your iPads. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to dive right in. Pun intended. Uh, The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John, Jesus' relative, his cousin, came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John was pretty spiffy, and he wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then entering into Jesus' baptism, we read, At the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn apart and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Bow your heads with me just for a moment. Heavenly Father, this is your truth and your word, and we stand upon it. We ask that uh, you teach us by your Holy Spirit through this word. That our hearts be open for you. And that we move accordingly to what it is that you speak into us corporately as well as individually. I love you, Father. It's in your name that we ask these things today. Amen. John, Jesus, their stories are intertwined, starting in Luke chapter 1, with the foretelling of John's birth to his barren parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. But that story is so intertwined, Luke moves within them and weaves his story within them all the way to this point of Jesus' baptism. John has chosen, has been chosen by the Lord to be that voice in the wilderness. And he sets himself up, 
not at the temple, not at the central place of national identity, social and economic movement, and not at the center of spiritual development and worship, not at Jerusalem. But he moves himself south and across the Jordan. On the other side, quite frankly, as I'm, th- as I'm talking about this right now, I'm thinking of, of Joshua on the other side with the Israelites. It is on that side of the Jordan that John chooses to do a new work, a work to prepare the way for Jesus. And I say this new work, and it means probably very little to us in the 21st century because we in the church who've been a part of the church or even have seen the church operate have seen this thing called baptism. Or we use it in our language that the trials that we go through were baptism by fire, right? But baptism was a new work. It was original by John. It was something that had never been done before. See, John removed himself at the, to the intersection of the wilderness and the desert at this place called Bethany, beyond the Jordan. So it's not confused with Bethany near Jerusalem. John was very purposeful. He set himself in the desert far away from the temple, far away from all the activity, because at this time, the temple had become corrupted. Not to mention the fact that in Ezekiel, the Spirit himself, the Spirit of God, lifted out of the temple and removed himself from the temple. You ever wondered how easy it is for something by designed for worship can become so corrupted very quickly? You and I are designed for worship. How quickly we can become corrupted. Instruments that need cleansing. Right? John removes himself from the temple. The temple of where all the activity happens. And this baptism, this new work, is a commentary on the corruption of the system. The system itself, in human hands, that was supposed to be set by divine design, itself become corrupted. You enter into the temple complex. You pass by the mikvahs on up to the steps and you enter the court of the Gentiles. Here you find money changers and animals being purchased for sacrifice. Money changers who hike the price because they know that you have traveled from a distance and they know that there is only specific coins that can be used to give the offering in the temple. And so they hike the price like the hot dogs at Great American Ballpark or any ballpark in America. That which is a dollar is now ten. Right? Not to mention, as you enter the court of Gentiles, you see the sign that says, Court of the Gentiles. Meant for only, that only the Gentiles, this is the only place the Gentiles can be. Signs that say, you can't go any further. In this temple, there are specific places for specific people. And we see priests, the pious, the religious elite, who are 
who were pomping and parading, pomp and circumstance, reminding everybody from the Gentiles to the women to the commoner that we are closer to God than you are. John removed himself from this complex as a commentary on the corruption of the system, that it doesn't work any longer. Not to mention the mikvahs on the outside of the temple complex. That anyone that should enter the temple must descend into stagnant water to quote-unquote cleanse themselves so they may now enter into the temple. John chose to go away from the temple, away from the corruption, away from the stagnant water. And he chose the Jordan, the southernmost, almost the southernmost point before the Dead Sea. The water's coming straight out of Mount Hermon, about 80 to 90 miles north. Cool waters, waters that are moving. And there he's preaching and baptizing in reference to repentance and forgiveness of sins. Why? Because John knows something that Jesus knows that we today must understand. He knows who the enemy is. Church, do you know who your enemy is? The enemy is not people. Let's just be clear. The enemy is not people. However much we want to make it about people. The enemy is not the system. However much we want to make it about the system. The enemy is not politics. The enemy is not ideology or philosophy. Yet we choose to make the enemy everything else but what it is. The enemy straight up is sin. And the devil. See, Paul wrote, for it is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the powers and the authorities of this dark world. John understood for the system to shift had to start with the heart. And so John removed himself from the temple, started a new work, he prepared the way for the Lord. And we hear, we see here in Mark chapter 1, Jesus coming from the north, from Nazareth, where he's been, from Galilee, his home region, to begin his ministry. And he hikes and tracks down to this spot beyond the Jordan, Bethany beyond the Jordan. And he sees his cousin. The story is so intertwined. And it is here that John, his relative, baptizes Jesus. A new work. A work that is a commentary on the corruption, but also a work that says, remember who your enemy is. It's not the system. It's not people. It's sin. And so we have this moment where John lowers Jesus in the water and he comes up out of the water. And in this moment, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. And we hear 
the Father. This is my Son, whom I love, and I am well pleased. The Trinity exists, and the Trinity is seen in the baptism of Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is it any wonder that Jesus himself said right before his feet lifted off the ground to the right hand of the Father, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Is it any wonder that in John chapter 1, looking back on this moment, John himself catches a glimpse of Jesus walking, and he says, Look! Behold with your eyes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John understood the enemy is not people. The enemy is sin and the devil. And it is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so, today, I was thinking through of all the sermons that I've done here in the last almost seven years. I don't think I've once, once taught about the basics of baptism and what it truly means. And so this morning, let's go on a brief journey about baptism. Because the depth and the insight to what baptism truly means is so important to us and to you and to your life. Because it is a sacrament. It is a sacred moment. It is a sacred mystery. And so Paul himself says, we died to sin. How can we live any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through the baptism into death in order that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we may too live new life. He says this in Galatians chapter 3, You are all sons, and I added, and daughters, because he does mean that, of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And finally, he says, Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him, through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Colossians 2, 12. So, baptism basics. Alyssa described the baptism basics in the video, and I don't know if you caught it, but it was very, very simple. So today, we're going to be very, very simple because I'm a simple guy. I learn in pictures, but I'm not a good drawer. So, this is the cross. What happened on the cross? Jesus died on the cross. Thank you. Thank you, boys and girls. Jesus died on the cross. As a result of his death on the cross, what did they do with his body? He was buried. How many days? Three. On day three, what happened? He rose from the dead. <laughs> Congratulations. You get the gold star for the day. Yes, this is a very clear picture of the gospel. Jesus Christ, you find this in, in 1 Corinthians 15, chapter, or chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. You will find a very condensed version 
of the gospel. Jesus Christ died and was buried for our sins. And he was buried for three days, and on the third day he rose from the dead according to the scripture. This is because of sin. For your heart, to change the heart of you and I and mankind, humanity. That's what changes the system. Jesus Christ crucified, dead, and buried. Now, baptism, real quick, pictures. I'm going to draw you. Yikes, bikes, Batman, right? You're a lot taller. That's as good as I get, folks. And you went to Michael before you went to barber school. Yeah, (laughs) I said it. So in baptism, baptism is a symbol of what has happened in your heart, of what Jesus Christ has done in your heart. It is the outward expression of what happened on your inside when you gave Jesus your life. So I need your help. And Dino, I think you're the only kid in here aside from your brother. Can you say old real quick? Can you say old? We'll say it with you on three. One, two, three. Old. This is your old life. When you get lowered in the water, it is your symbolic of your old life being buried with Christ in His death. The old life is no longer existing. It is gone. As Paul said, the old is gone. Now say it with me. Say new. One, two, three. New! And when you come up out of the waters, that is the new life that happens in you, which is all similar to the cross of Christ, dead and buried. And when He comes up in resurrection and you come into new life, folks, baptism is gospel, is the gospel, the good news in miniature, in metaphor, in symbol, about what happens on the inside of your heart Because the system doesn't change until your heart changes. Baptism is this beautiful picture of the new life in you. I love it. And so, I'd like for you to hear a story about new life that had happened in somebody here. And how that happened at the table of the Lord ending in baptism. So I ask that you direct your attention to the screen. Uh, two years ago now. <laughs> it's hard to forget. Uh, we have a 
event here. They call it at the table. It happens around Easter time. And uh, I've been running for God for a long time. <coughs> Got sent away, I guess you could say. And while I was away, I was surrounded by a lot of individuals who seemed to be to be basically hypocrites. They claimed to be Christian, claimed to be following God's way, and yet they were doing things that just didn't jive. So I, I thought to myself, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want nothing to do with it. So I thought, with what I had done, he could never forgive me. My mom encouraged me to go to the home Bible studies that the church offered back then. It was just a good bunch of people. The more I was around them and listening to them and studying God's Word and everything, the more I realized this is what Christianity is. And this is what I need through you know, studying with these people. And the example that was set for me by several people, including my wife and Gene Fisher, I thought, it's time. And what better place to get saved, I guess, than before your family. One of the things that we were taught back then was, if you're not saved, if you're not right with God, don't take me. I asked God into my heart that night, I felt the burden of him. I realized he does truly forgive. Even up to that minute, I had my doubts whether he could forgive me or not. But he can and he did. Baptism itself is a symbolism, I guess, or symbol of being washed, having your sins washed away. And even though you know I've been saved the year before, I still want to make that public proclamation that God is, does did wash clean, wash my heart clean, and forgive me, and that I was ready to serve Him. It was special because, like I said, it was the first one in a long time that I had taken communion, probably since I was a teenager. It felt good. It felt right. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. And if you get this picture, that he truly is bread, and he is the wine, <laughs> on the cross. But if you take the cross from its vertical position and you put it at a horizontal position, that is the table. 
that has the bread and the wine on that table. His body crushed and broken for you. And his blood poured out for the forgiveness of many. That's right. Amen. And so this morning, we're inviting you to the table today. We're inviting you to partake in this moment of communion. Because it's in communion that we also see the gospel in miniature, in its purest form. His body, His blood. All for your forgiveness. All to combat the enemy. All to be cleansed in the living water. And so, this morning, Matthew and I are going to distribute the elements. And we ask that you remain where you are. And we're going to do our best to be safe for you. And we invite you to the table, but we will completely understand if you choose not to partake, and that's okay, especially with an exchange of of food. But uh, Sandy, would you begin to bring us to the throne of the Lord? that you take from the outer portions of the tray.
obviously this is not our the way we typically do communion here at Wapak Nav. But there's still something very special about this moment. So I'd ask that you bow your heads for just a brief moment. Heavenly Father, we do not take this time at your table lightly. And in this sacrament, in this sacred mystery, even this sacred moment, it is—it truly is as if heaven is barreling in onto earth. And I truly thank you, Jesus, for your choice to surrender yourself. Thank you for wrestling in the garden, surrendering your will and then surrendering your body. Because it is in that sacrifice, Jesus, that we become new. Because of your sacrifice that we become new. It's because of your resurrection that we have this hope, this resurrection hope in our life. And it's not just far off. It is here. In this moment, Jesus, thank you. We love you. Jesus himself said, this is my body. Not on the floor. This is my body. Broken for you. take and eat. And with those that he gave a lot of his time to, with those disciples, as they celebrated that Passover meal, looking over their shoulder, he looked forward to the cross. To this my blood, blood of the new covenant, poured out for the forgiveness of many. Do this in remembrance of me. Will you please take and drink? Father, we love you. We thank you for your body and your blood. part of this body. Truly glad to be with you. You make this body better. So, before we send you off with the benediction, just ask that you take your bag and your cup and there are dispensers out at the door and outside in the lobby. Ask that you throw those away for us, please. Folks, may you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and all your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself. 
Have a wonderful day. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.